so hello, welcome to Shack Funk. Um Yep. So Brent's not here. Again. Um okay, I guess I don't I don't know how much people follow the news. Um but oh that man, that's making it sound more dramatic than it is. Okay, uh situation right now is that uh there was a hurricane uh, a couple weeks ago. It hit Louisiana pretty hard, so, um, Brent is fine, his family's fine, his house is fine, uh, he just doesn't have electricity, um, I guess the situation, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of power line damage in Louisiana right now, and their predictions for when it's gonna get fixed are all over the place, so we don't know when Brent will be able to be back, he's estimating by October, um, so that means probably at least one more episode after this of um, me doing something or other. Um, you know, last last time I decided to you know try something silly. Like I, I wanted, I always wanted to just ramble about magic cards, and um, never really, I, I you know felt like I'd just be boring. You know, Brent having to listen to me ramble on about the strategy of magic cards, uh, and also figured maybe I'm even boring the audience, you know, what 10 people who listen to this would probably find that boring. So I decided to, you know, get silly with it, turn it into an ASMR episode, and, like, I didn't come up with the idea for the backing track until uh, editing, and I was, I was trying to find just some regular ASMR music, and it was such a pain in the ass to try to get something that's not, like, copywritten. Not that I don't think Podbean checks, but, you know, just because I was trying to find something I couldn't. So I just, you know, created a track, uh, you know, a remix of the Spider-Man pizza song, slowed it down. Um, I think I added a reverb effect is how I made it a little bit softer, a little less jarring than that theme usually is. Um, I probably won't do that for this though because th this episode you know i'm i was going to read more little sonic fix you know just some smut maybe do it in an eliza voice to make it even funnier um but i mean i, sh I should probably save the eliza voice for uh whatever halloween special i do um and i have no idea if anybody has ideas and you're listening to this and you're on the discord i mean you you can tweet at me uh, my phone will alert me when I, someone has tweeted at me, uh, because I do still have Twitter installed, I just don't really check it anymore. Kind of fell out of the habit of that, and honestly, like, th there are things I miss about Twitter. You know, like, some of the, like, the fun posts and, like, the, you know, like, I was following the Lego account and they would tell me when, you know, new Lego sets got announced and stuff, and that would be helpful. Uh, but there's a lot of tweets i don't miss seeing and just twitter's whole thing about you know pushing tweets in your face to try to you know boost engagement by riling you up it just it's not a good atmosphere for a social media platform i mean most social media platforms aren't a good atmosphere um discord i i mean discord is a social media but it's different it's closer to a forum in that it's like small communities focused around topics rather than everybody in the world shouting things and the platform deciding that you need to see what people are shouting whether or not 
you have any connection or, you know, desired association with them. Just, yeah. Um, so anyway, you can, if you have any ideas for what you would like me to do for Halloween this year, uh, you can tweet them at me or you can go into the fan productions box of the Funky Shack Discord, post them there. You can at me or I, I try to make sure to check that box. I don't check every box on the server. There's too many. Uh, but that's one of the ones I still follow, and that's the one where I post this podcast, so if you have ideas, you can post them there. I don't have anything specific, it's just, you know, it's been a tradition for the last few years to do something in a Lysa voice, so we'll invite her here back in the studio to, uh, record something, I guess. Um, I mean, I, I might come up with something, but... I also am trying to come up with a Halloween adventure from my D&D group, which I, you know, I've mentioned in the past. It's just here in the house. It's my parents and my brother. And, um, that one, I think, you know, we've had a lot of fun with, uh, Flaverton, the food-based, I mean, it's spelled like Flavortown, but it's pronounced Flaverton, because Flaverton is a much fancier name, uh, even though it's not really a fancy place at all. It's just, like, knockoff, you know, fast food mascots, some breakfast cereal mascots. So the Halloween adventure is going to involve a version of Count Chocula, Booberry, Frankenberry, and probably also Yummy Mummy and Fruit Brute. Um, I'm thinking I'll just like design some kind of castle or maybe steal a fun haunted house out of a book or something and just put those characters in it and, you know, let them explore and whatever uh because yeah like by that point in in our campaign i think we're still going to be we've been in the story arc of um you know it started off with elisa oh okay before i get too deep into this this was all a preamble to explain that instead of doing you know a silly asmr thing or uh you know little sonic dirty fanfic reading uh, I'm just gonna try doing an off-the-cuff ramble about whatever the fuck, um, kind of vlog-style episode this time. I've got a bottle of water in hand, I'll, you know, cut out the sound of me drinking, but at least hopefully my throat won't dry out nearly as bad as it did doing the ASMR thing, which part of that was, you know, having to, um, uh, you know, adopt a softer, more passive voice, more soothing, um, and that, it's just, it's hard to maintain, um, which, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it, it, it's a thing that I haven't really talked, you know, like, I've wanted to talk in the past about, like, gender and what that means to me, uh, but, it it just never really naturally flowed into things. It's a little too serious of a topic, even though... I, uh, okay. So, let me just take a drink, and then I will... I mean, I, I'm just rambling, so yeah, I guess I can ramble about whatever I want. I'll try to get back to the D&D thing, though, because it is... You know, it. I, I kind of feel bad that it's like... You know, Elisa started off as a character made for podcasting, and then after... You know, Funk Dunk Plays ended. I took her into a tabletop game and had so much fun with that, with, you know, the miniatures and the music and, and all the other aspects that you can't really emulate as well 
in Okay, so the um the audio just cut out there. I don't know how much of what I was saying it caught, so I'm gonna try to just dial myself back mentally to um actually give me a second, I'm gonna close some programs. Okay. Um yeah, so I gotta try to mentally reset back to what I was saying, uh what was I guess a couple minutes ago. Uh not sure how much of this I'll leave in, but Okay, yeah. So, anyway, I was saying, um, that, uh, yeah, you know, so Elisa started off as a podcast character, you know, like, it, really, the voice was what made the character work, um, and yeah, but then Funktime Plays ended, and then I took her into a tabletop game, and I just, I loved, you know, the the way, like, the music and the miniatures and everything incorporated together, you know, it's a thing you can't really do as well with, um, online as you can with, um, like, a tabletop game, getting those other multimedia aspects involved. So, um, yeah, so, like, and that's really, like, that campaign is, you know, the story that I stick with is like this is what Elisa's history is now like that's the most essential version of her but but then COVID happened and um that group fell apart you know I tried to move it online and people just didn't keep up with the posts like, at all it was like you know herding cats trying to get them all to just respond in the most basic way and it wasn't working so, yeah, so that group fell apart, and then I tried joining another group with a different character who, you know, I've talked about her in the past with Mar Marini, the nice Elisa, and then I ended up incorporating Elisa back into her as, like, a, you know, two characters in one body thing, and then, uh, yeah, that campaign, it just, it wasn't working for me, so I quit that, um, and then I started this group with my family, and, you know, yeah, at some point I, sh I should probably just explain the story of that, because, I mean, I don't know how how much fun it is to listen to someone explain the story of their campaign, um, but, yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, okay, so, uh, shit, which, was I, was I going to talk about that, or, I, I know, I was about to start talking about gender stuff, um, yeah, because, Okay, I mean, it should, I assume, be readily apparent to anyone listening to my voice that this is not a naturally feminine voice. Um, and if you go back to, like, the earlier episodes, I used to put more of an effort in to lift my voice into more of a... my best attempt at a feminine lilt. And even to this day, I use a very mild um, pitch filter to try to uh, take the edge off of my voice, make it sound less harsh, make it sound more feminine, make it sound like a voice that would match a person who's been going by the name Jade for the last five years? Wow. Yeah, five years now. Um, because Jade is a, for anyone who wasn't around in the forum days, who somehow stumbled onto episode, what, 187? God damn it. Okay, this thing keeps freezing on me. Hopefully it uh, kept most of that statement. 
Um, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, so if you weren't around in the forum days and you stumbled onto episode 187, whatever this is, um, and you don't know where the character Jade came from, Jade is a character who I created back in college to be a roleplay character for a Legend of Zelda roleplay. She was originally designed to be a dark-skinned Hylian, um, but really I wanted to make her a Gerudo, and I just didn't. I made her, like, half Gerudo, and technically, by the lore, that's not a thing you can have. If you're you know, born a Gerudo, you're all Gerudo. So I, you know, have, like, there's some bullshit about her being genetically anomalous, uh, you know, that, that old original character special different thing uh it wasn't intended to make a special it was just like hey why did why does your gerudo have black hair instead of red and no it's not dyed and you know i mean she had long pointed ears and people like no you can't have that you know the gerudo is all have rounded ears because that's what it was in ocarina of time and then breath of the wild changed that and gave them all pointed ears so haha fuck you guys uh my original character was ahead of the curve that way um but they all still do have red hair, and I, I don't, I'd have to look at the Breath of the Wild ones again. I don't know if yellow eyes is still required, or if Jade's blue eyes that have kind of turned into gray, they, they were originally blue, but um, uh, Sebastian, the artist who did like all my avatar artwork, and a couple porn comics that you can find if you do some digging, uh, they're not very well written, I don't recommend it, but... You know, if your curiosity's peaked, you can find at least the first one, which is honestly even worse writing than the second one. But the second one, I think I only posted on my Tumblr that's now shut down after they did the the porn wipe off of Tumblr. So I don't know if that comic is anywhere on the internet anymore, but maybe it is. Um, but yeah, so Jade was a roleplay character, and I had gone through a few usernames uh, when I was like on. Patreon, um, sponsoring, uh, Dice Funk. And by the time the community started coming together as a thing, I was using Jade as my name and thought, hey, wouldn't it be fun to just not say anything about what my gender is and just leave it ambiguous? Let people, you know, decide for themselves what I am. And, you know, it, like, people figured out, it's like, hey, are you transgender? And I'm like, Maybe. Um, and, I, I, you know, after a few years of soul-searching, like, I think, you know, in the early, uh, like, definitely in the Funk Dunk days and even the early episodes of Shack Funk, I was still not sure um, what my gender, I you know, preferred gender identity is. Um, after some, I mean, and really, I feel like gender identity is, it's just, it's a journey that you're on your whole life. So, the answers I'm giving now may not be the answers in a year, or two, or three, or whatever. Things are always in change, in changing, in flux, whatever. Um, but the answer right now to that question, what is my preferred gender identity, is... Eh. Um, not much of an answer, I know, but... Uh, it, it's like... I get My gender is whatever I'm presenting as it at the moment. And I try not to be that fussy about it. I mean, I feel like, okay, if, if I walk into a place 
with like full makeup and a dress and everything and people look at me and say oh hello sir then that feels like an insult to my you know attire you know like my effort to present myself in this way it feels disrespectful to that but if i am not you know if i mean my hair is always long because i haven't cut it in years and i try to you know shave as often as i can i've gotten a little lazy about it during the pandemic but um you know i, I like being clean shaven i like having long hair um and if someone looks at me like that and addresses me as masculine then sure whatever you know if i'm not actively making an effort to present as feminine then you can address me as masculine you can address me as feminine i'm fine either way it's not a huge sticking point and you know like yeah the, there were like a, a couple of years there where you know i was wondering about myself and it, you know like th that kind of self-scrutiny makes you more self-conscious about the way other people view you so i do empathize with anyone who's having that kind of struggle for me it's you know, after a few couple of years of struggle, it's turned into just kind of an apathy, you know, a comfortable apathy that I just, it, it's not a thing I worry about anymore. Um, and part of that might also be that, you know, I had a couple relationships that didn't work out and uh, came to the realization that I'm more comfortable being single, so, which I mean, and all of this has, you know, probably uh had you know been a factor in my um you know back back in like the forum days i was infamous for being the one who wrote the smut fix for dice funk and i did that in part because i was and to you know some extent still am horny um but also did that because uh basically austin challenged us to do it the Austin, you go back to like season one and two episodes and Austin will make, you know, just off the cuff jokes about fans being horny and fans writing dirty fix and fans, you know, if you have these dirty desires, you should, you know, follow your heart and write it. And it was all, you know, like a tongue in cheek joke, but I'm like, I'm going to do it. And I did it. I, you know, you go back, look at the kind of pairings I made. My heart was not in pretty much any of them like i honestly i i you know I, i've come to the realization i probably always was and still am mostly asexual uh or at least I, I, definitely aromantic uh like character romance is not a thing that has interested me for a long time i think high school was the last time i cared like actively cared about romance between characters or i mean even real people i, I just i don't care uh i'm more interested in people as individuals than i am who they want to hook up with you know i that i maybe it's just my own deep antisocial uh nature but I, I'm not interested in, you know, that kind of relationship between people, you know, it's whatever. I mean, I still enjoy porn because just, 
you know, like the, you know, the, there's definitely like an excitement there of, uh, characters fucking, you know, and it can be like aesthetically appealing on top of that. But the emotional part of, you know, characters being in a relationship together, that's a thing that, you know, I just, I, I don't care about. Um, so in those Dice Funk Slash Fix, yeah, it was mostly written for, um, uh, blanking on the term for the crack pairing, I guess is what I always heard it referred to as just writing pairings because they're silly and ridiculous. Or if I couldn't come up with a pairing, like a lot of them I wrote with the character Jade as the focus because she had, you know over my years of role-playing or evolved into a very sexual character. Um, and so if I wanted to have a crazy parent, like, who do I pair with Gorfinax, the cosmic meat monster? Um, and, like, Jade is a character, I understand her motivations and feelings on things, and I just, you know, she's very prototypical one of my characters, you know, kind of... I'd say self-absorbed, that sounds... A little meaner than I'm intending. Like, you know, she doesn't, she's not that interested in, you know, romantic relationships or, um, you know, that, that kind of relationship thing. It's, you know, purely material, um, and like spur of the moment kind of attitude toward these things. And usually, yeah, Jade is, like, in a lot of the stories, you know, some of the stories, yeah, I was, you know, grappling with my own emotions and that would have come out through her, but I think essentially is a character. She is asexual, but willing to do sexual things either because it seems fun at the time or because, um, it gets what she actually wants, which is money or stuff. I mean, she's, she's a, a rogue thief. You know, it's what she does. She wants treasure. She goes to get some treasure. She gets grabbed by some monster that wants to fuck her, so she fucks it to get out. I mean, I, I don't... I'm not gonna pretend that these stories are progressive or um, setting a good example for anyone. It is kinky smut that just appeals to my you know, horny nature. Um, but I don't really write those anymore because, you know, I've, you know come to realize how aromantic and asexual I am at heart. You know, aside from enjoying porn, I don't really care um, about relationships, and I, I don't know how I even got on this topic off of trying to talk about gender and how, you know, my identity is just kind of fluid, kind of just based on presentation. That's why I haven't tried as hard to put on a voice, you know, I still do the pitch filter because I'm still kind of stuck in referring to myself as Jade, you know, I wouldn't want to use my real name, honestly, it's it's the internet, you should do that if you can help it, if you're not a celebrity or something, but, you know, I, you know, I prefer having an alias to go under so I don't have to use my real name, uh, so, you know, it limits the chances of people I know in real life, you know, finding this stuff, not that it's the worst thing if they do, but I don't want them, like, actively seeking it. It's, you know, it, it, it's a different aspect of my life, this, this podcast. 
It's, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, more personal than, uh, you know, like, people who've listened to every episode of this probably know more about me than my family does. Um, well, at least me of the last couple of years. I mean, my family knows more of me, you know, pre-college, I guess. You know, I, all the stupid shit I said or did or liked in, um, high school and earlier. Um, but anyway, wow, that's gotten way off whatever topic. I don't remember, was I going to say something about the the D&D campaign and the Halloween food characters and stuff? I don't know. Um, oh well. I'm, you know, honestly, this, this is a vlog, I'm rambling about whatever comes to mind, so let's chase that stream of consciousness to... Uh, hmm. Well, there's a few movies I've seen that I kind of want to get my thoughts down while they're still somewhat fresh, and since it might be till October when I have another person on this podcast, I guess I'll just get them out now. We can save Venture Brothers for when Brent is on. I think he's probably going to have more to say about that than I am. I have watched every episode at this point. I did manage to watch the whole series before... HBO Max renewed, so I was able to cancel it. I will sign up for it again if and when they put something on there that I want to see. I don't know, I mean... I have a co-worker who's excited for Dune. I don't really care. So I, you know, maybe if, if there's enough reviews that make it sound interesting, I might sign up again, but probably not. Um, especially because, like, I did... Actually, just uh, go out to a theater again for the first time since I think March, March of 2020 is the last time I went to a theater and I saw Sonic the Hedgehog. So for the last year and a half, that has been the last movie I've ever seen in theaters was Sonic the Hedgehog, um, which I guess is better than uh, it being Star Wars: Rise of Skywalker. I kind of hate for. You know, uh, Ray being all the Jedi to be the last movie I ever saw before the theaters closed down forever. Uh, but, nope, I did, I went out to the theater last week, yeah, almost a week ago, um, to see Shang-Chi, or Shang-Chi, I guess is the correct way to pronounce it. Uh, I mean, I might just be a stupid American and keep saying Shang-Chi, but, eh, I don't know, we can, we can try. Nobody's... Really listening. So, uh, hi, Eugene. You, I know you're listening, and maybe John Paul and Toshiro. I think his favorited stuff recently enough that maybe he's still listening. They're they're still listening. I'm see. I'm I, I'm bad with pronouns, um, and that's. I mean, it's on me, and I I feel like a lot of it is because of my own apathy toward you know, my own pronouns, that my, you know, my pronoun, like, unless I am actively trying to present a certain way, I'm kind of indifferent on my pronouns, um, so, I mean, so, like, me online, I guess would be she, because I'm using the name Jade, and it seems weird to refer to a person named Jade as he, um, and that's, you know, that's why I still use the pitch filter, because it just, it, it feels weird when I'm using this alias, to uh, be referred to as a he, 
Uh, I, you know, they is a good catch-all for everything. Um, not really a fan of any of the other, you know, newer pronouns people have come up with. It feels like it's just kind of trying too hard, but, but again, I am, you know, just a very apathetic person on this whole topic. And I think that's part of why I have trouble, like, remembering to say they when a person tells me that they want uh, to be referred to as a they instead of a he or she, because I just, I kind of use them interchangeably, um, and that's, yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, shit, what was, what was I gonna talk about? Oh, Shang-Chi, um, okay, so, um, Shang-Chi was a good movie, uh, very good action scenes, you know, some very fun, exciting action scenes that are, like, over the top in a way that Marvel movies, honestly, often aren't, like, you know, the, the, their action scenes are good enough to get, you know, the job done, but they're not necessarily memorable. And this movie has, okay, well, spoiler warning for the rest of the episode, so that I don't have to, you know, try to time code any of this. Um, uh, yeah, so Shang-Chi, action scenes, uh, has, let's see, the, early on there is a, uh, a bus, a fight on a bus. That's pretty exciting, because there's, like, a guy who has a sword for an arm, and, you know, it, it has, like, the tightness of one of those, like, hallway fights, uh, just focusing on Shang as he, and this is, it's the, the scene where, up to this point, unless you've seen the trailers, you don't necessarily know that he is a, you know, crazy martial arts master. He's trying to, you know, pretend he's just, like, a regular Joe, uh, who's got, like, this, you know, valet he, he's working as a valet alongside his best friend katie who informs us at least twice that she's been his best friend for 10 years um because she has very clunky dialogue and a lot of bad jokes and i found her really annoying but apparently a lot of other people liked her i don't know i, I think she's worse than darcy but um eh, whatever so yeah so Shang is, you know, revealing his martial arts skill in this, uh, you know, very tight corridor on a bus. It's a pretty long bus. And he's, you know, like, kicking all these like, guys who've come to... I, I, they're not trying to kill... I guess, like, they're fighting in a way that could kill him, but they've already been warned by his father, Wen Wu, a.k.a. the Mandarin, except not the Mandarin... It, I'll get to that, um, that there's no way they can kill him, because he's just too good of a fighter, um, uh, but really what they need is he's got this necklace pendant that was given to him by his mother that is, uh, like a little, I guess jade, it's a jade or an emerald, it's a, like a little crystal thing that, you know, him and his sister each have one, and they're these they're actually like these eyes that can be put into a dragon statue that will make it spit a bunch of water that turns into a magical map. Um, but they don't know about that. They just know it's a pendant that their mother gave them that is used for something or other. Um, so yeah, the, the, these guys have been sent to steal the pendant necklace thing and he's, you know, kicking them, uh, and punching them and stuff. And there's a guy with a sword arm and he's like the most deadly of them and at one point, he, like, stabs through the bottom of the bus and cuts the brake lines, so 
You got, like, the bus is swerving out of control as Katie's trying to drive it, and, um, and Song's trying to find a way to kick this guy off the bus without getting stabbed to death. And, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good action scene. And then there's at least two other major action scenes. There's one where they're, like, he goes to find his sister, who is in, I think, Hong Kong? It might not be. It, it's, you know, it, it's a place in Asia that has, like, a lot of neon lights, a lot of big city stuff, but also, like, a seedy underbelly, where she has a, like, personal fighting ring that she's set up. Uh, that's where the Wong Abomination fight that you see in the trailer happens. Um, and then they both leave. Like, the, this, that scene, whatever explanation for why it's happening is, doesn't really happen in the movie. The scene mostly exists so that Wong can see Shang-Chi in passing because Wong ends up coming back in the post-credits. Um, or actually, like, right before the credits and then in the post-credits. There's scenes with Wong. But, um, otherwise that scene doesn't really amount to much because it's like that, that was like a fight that was happening and then the next fight is Shang versus his sister, who's also a badass fighter. Um, but, yeah, after they have their fight, um, bad guys show up to steal her necklace because they already stole his on the bus. And, uh, there's a big fight where they're, like, fighting in, like, the, um, you know, whatever you call it, like, the stuff on, the, like, the side of the building. It's, like, all the, you know, construction railings and boards and things, you know, very, uh, hard to walk on, you know, precipitous. A lot of people fall a very long way as they get booted off of that, as they're all just having this big, like, jungle gym ninja fight on the side of a building. Um, and then there's a, another big fight at the end, where they, they're trying to get to this hidden village where, um, you know, their mother originally came from this village, and there's, like, a scene at the start of the movie where we see how she met Wenwu, uh, the Mandarin, uh, he, Wenwu is the leader of the Ten Rings, and he is thousands of years old, um, because the Ten Rings are these rings that are powerful in a way that isn't fully explained, it's set up as a mystery for future movies, um, but they do make him immortal, and also he can do, like, crazy, mar he does, like, the kind of martial arts moves you'd expect from a martial arts movie, but also he's got these rings that he can, like, fling off of his arms, and they're, like, kinetically charged, and they can, like, hit things or block things, or and then they, like, snap back to him when he, like, wills them to come back. Um, it's, like, pretty cool. So, yeah, the... he He's super old, and he goes looking for this village where they have some kind of, you know, secret magic and stuff. Uh, he can't find the village, but he does find this woman who is, like, guarding the village from the outside. And they have a kung fu fight, and he loses, and he's so impressed. Uh, and she's so impressed, I guess, that that turns into a romance, somehow. And, um, yep, they have two kids, and then she dies, which it takes most of the movie before we get the flashback of how she dies. But... You know, it, it's it's a movie. Like, I knew from, you know, like when they're showing these, like, flashbacks of him talking to his, you know, Shang-Chi, talking to his mother as a kid. It's like, oh, she's dead, isn't she? 
Um, and then it, you know, we get to the present day and he's, you know, an adult and she's already dead and it's like, okay, well, I guess we're, we're just going to take that as fact, but it does, you know, the way she does actually does factor into the movie later. Um, but yeah, so the, the water map from the eye jewels that go in the dragon statue, uh, gives the path to get to the mystery village. Um, but Shang-Chi and friends end up getting there before Wenwu can't, uh, also the Mandarin thing. Mandarin is not a title he actually had, apparently. It was something that Killian made up in Iron Man 3 when he was making his fake leader of the Ten Rings, because Wenwu is the real leader of the Ten Rings, and he's, you know, been the leader of the Ten Rings since ancient times. Um, but Killian made up a fake one and hired Trevor Slattery to portray him, and Trevor Slattery is now imprisoned in Wenwu's compound for the insult of his performance, but uh, he's such a lovable idiot that they kept him alive because he can do lame Shakespeare performances, I guess. Yeah, so Shang and friends uh, find Trevor Slattery, and he's got this CGI, you know, kind of adorable but also creepy um animal companion who's named morris it's like a furry blob with four wings and no head um but it acts like a puppy and only trevor can understand what it's saying um and it it tells him how to get to the village so they get to the village first to get them prepared to fight Wenwu and his forces when they show up. Because Wenwu has been receiving telepathic messages from a demon that is behind a door in the village that is pretending to be the dead wife. Um, and Wenwu, despite being thousands of years old, falls for this obvious ploy. Uh, even when people tell him that no, it's not her, she's really dead. And even when he gets there, and finds, you know, oh, it's a big door over a creepy cave covered in dragon scales, and he just, you know, starts using the rings to try to punch his way through it, because he believes she's back there, even though it it's kind of obvious he's being played. Um, but, whatever, it, it's a movie, they gotta make movie things happen. Um, but that leads into the big fight at the end, where first Shang is fighting Wenwu to try to stop him from opening the door, and they have a pretty cool fight. And then he opens the door, and then a big demon, big soul-sucking demon comes out. Um, but then a big water dragon comes out of the water, and this big dragon versus demon fight with everybody involved. Um, but yeah, no, the demon sucks out souls. Uh, souls literally exist. We see souls are like this rainbow energy that gets ripped out of people, and then the demon, there's these little soul-sucking demons that suck out people's souls, and then they carry them and drop them in the mouth of the big, uh, demon thing. And, I mean, I, I'm not entirely clear on whether the big demon thing actually digests the souls, or if it's just, like, storing them in his throat, because the way they weaken the demon is Katie has been learning how to do archery, and gets kind of a very lucky shot in shooting the demon in the throat. Um, which, I guess, maybe releases the souls? Like, 
you know, because when I first saw the movie, one of my, like, petty complaints was that after the fight, a lot of people have died to soul-sucking demons, and, um, they have a big funeral for them where they send all their, you know, paper lanterns out on the water, and they talk about how, you know, we'll all meet again in the afterlife, and I'm like, under normal circumstances, maybe. You know, we, the, we've, the only confirmation we've had in past movies that an afterlife or souls exist is that in Black Panther, the kings of the past are able to exist around some kind of spirit tree. Um, so I guess that means there is some kind of afterlife, potentially, assuming that wasn't all a hallucination. But now we have confirmation that no souls really do exist. There are souls, people have souls, and they can be taken out which leaves the person dead, and, um, if, I mean, like, yeah, I just, under normal circumstances, okay, so a person dies, their soul leaves their body, and goes somewhere, which I guess would be the afterlife, so yeah, maybe you'll meet again, uh, but these people's souls got eaten by a demon, so I think even if they got to the afterlife, if, if a soul gets eaten, what happens to the soul? Is the person gone, then? Is there, like, a soul poop version of them that's hanging out in the in the afterlife? I don't know. Uh, seems like... Yeah, I don't know. Kind of a petty, stupid complaint, but still. I'm just very baffled that souls as a concept have been made real, um, because that, you know, it... If, it'd be one thing if it was only in this one standalone movie, but no, it, it applies to the entire universe because they've interconnected all these things. So that's just... Yeah, I guess don't think about it too hard. Like, all the rules have just gone nuts in this, you know, post-endgame um, series. So, whatever, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, like, so, yeah, a lot of the comedy with Aquafina is Katie, and God, I, I hate... Okay, so Aquafina is her stage name, and it's spelled A-W-K-F-I-N-A. It, it, it's not spelled like the water brand Aquafina, but it sounds exactly like the, the bottled water brand Aquafina. Um, but no, she called herself Aquafina. Aquafi it, it, it's a stage name that she chose for herself because she feels like she's really awkward. So she took the word awkward and turned it into Aquafina, and I don't know if it's intentional that she named herself after bottled water, but I just hear the name and it sounds like bottled water. Um, and also I just found your character annoying. Like, the jokes were annoying. Um, so I didn't like that part of the movie, but, you know, the action was good. Like, the character drama was good, the whole relationship with the father is honestly more character development than we usually get in these movies out of hero-villain relationships. So it was it was good in all those regards. Um, and overall I did like it. But I, I think the reviews that are saying like, oh, it's like one of Marvel's best movies, I don't know. I mean... I guess if you don't really like Marvel movies, then sure, maybe. Or if just having diversity is enough to get you excited, then yes, it does have diversity that you don't often see. But, hey, I don't know. Um, 
I thought it was just good. Um, let's see, other movies. Uh, okay, so before I canceled, um, HBO Max, I also saw Snakes on a Plane, which was as dumb as it seemed. Um, it, it's definitely self-aware of how dumb it is and trying to be dumb. You know, like, it, it starts off feeling like it's going to have some kind of drama in... You know, it's got that, that setup that you see in a lot of, like, 90s, 80s and 90s action movies of, um, character who sees a, uh, drug dealer kill, you know, like, the, like a very rich, like, drug cartel kind of guy kills, a, I think, a reporter or something in the jungle, which in this case was in Hawaii, usually it's in, like, South America, because, you know, there was, like, South American drug wars was the, the, you know, reason all these, you know, setups happened in, like, 80s movies, and this movie came out in, like, the mid-2000s, but it still has that kind of setup. It's in Hawaii. Drug dealer kills a reporter guy, and another guy witnesses it, and then, you know, runs off and has to get back to the States so he can report uh, in court, like, testify in court uh, for the FBI so that they can you know, get the drug dealer arrested. Uh, but the drug dealer's men are trying to kill him, so Sam Jackson shows up and rescues him and gets him on a plane to uh, fly back. But then the drug dealer smuggles, a, like, a suitcase of snakes on board and gives everybody these, like, Hawaiian lays that have um, snake pheromones on them so that when the snakes break out of the case which has like a almost like a bomb timer on it like i don't know how nobody noticed this except that i guess he bribed them or something but yeah the, this case has like a ticking clock and once they get you know a certain distance uh, a certain time spent in the air the case opens up and all the snakes come out and the snakes are just murdering people it it is ridiculous how many people die by snake bites you know, just, like, instantly puffing up horribly, um, but also they go kind of silly with it, like, they have, there's, like, a couple having sex in the bathroom, uh, on the airplane, and, um, you know, gratuitous nudity, but, yeah, the snake bites the woman's nipple, and then another snake bites the guy's dick, and they don't show his dick, but they do show a close-up of him wrestling with a snake that's just, you know, right there on his crotch um so it is like the movie it is it's kind of gruesome but also just like very over the top it's very cheesy it knows just how ridiculous it is but it's also kind of boring almost because it just it spends so much time with like the kills and the um you know like the the panic moments of oh no the snakes are killing everyone how do we get away from these snakes uh it, i mean i guess i'm glad that i saw it in the sense that i now have seen the meme movie but um i i don't know that i'd call it a good movie or even necessarily worth watching unless you're that curious about what snakes on a plane is all about um Hmm. Let me see what other 
movies have I seen? Did I write them down? Um, oh, no, no, we'll save that one. Um, actually, yeah, probably by the time Brent's back, I'll have gotten the sometime in the future, whenever I can talk to Brent about it, because I will want to get his reactions on things. Um, the Spider-Man story that I had talked about in the past when it started, I think it's been going for like two years now, you know, the Nick Spencer run with uh, mystery villain Kindred. They've finally revealed who Kindred is. It's not Harry Osborn, even though like they'd kind of been acting like it was. Um, like that's who people thought it was, and they'd been acting like it was, but there were some things that didn't quite add up. And they've revealed who it is, and it's it's a deep cut. Um, they've they're still towing the line of whether or not they're going to um, directly undo One More Day. It seems like at least the most an you know annoying aspects of One More Day are being undone, but whether or not Peter will actually have to address the fact that he made a deal with the devil. Um, the setup is there for it, but I think issue seven 73 has come out. 74 is going to wrap up the plot. It's already been revealed in like previews that by issue 75, Peter and Mary Jane will be married, and Peter will be retiring the mantle of Spider-Man and handing it over to Ben Riley, which was the plan for what was going to happen to Spider-Man after the Clone Saga, that they were finally going to let Peter just settle down and get away from the superhero life, although it, it's comics, so he's not going to stay away. He's going to come back. It, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. You know, it is... Just the the way comics go, the loop of comics. He's Peter's not going to stay retired, but for now, they're going at least for this next run that they're calling Spider-Man Beyond. Um, it's going to be Ben Riley is going to be Spider-Man, and you know he will, uh, yeah, just take the mantle, do all the stuff. Peter and Mary Jane will be off somewhere else. Um, but, yeah, no, they, they've revealed who Kindred is, they, it's, yeah, the, it's complicated, I don't know, I, I don't want to talk more about it until I've got Brent on to, um, talk about, you know, his reactions to it, I guess, um, okay, well, let's see, in video games, um, so Sonic Colors, the, updated, um, remake, I guess, re-release, port, something, um, has either come out or is coming out, I'm, I'm not sure, I, I didn't, everybody was talking about it, and it got me thinking that it's been probably at least 10 years since I last played a Sonic game, because I was never really that big of a Sonic fan, you know, I my brother is a Sonic fan, he's, you know, a big furry, so he's got a bunch of the games, and I'd played some of them, and, like, watched some of the cartoons, like, I saw Sonic X, and, like, the, you know, uh, Sonic Adventures, um, and stuff, but, yeah, no, it, everybody talking about Sonic Colors got me feeling, like, okay, I, 
I kind of want to play a Sonic game. Um, and I know Sonic Mania and Sonic Forces are both going for 20 bucks right now. So, Mania, I feel like, is probably a better game. But it's a better game in that it's like a return to the 2D platformer. And I was never good at the 2D platformer Sonic games. I just I just couldn't get the hang of it. Um, so I went with Forces, which... Honestly, I've played through the story now, and it's kind of a hybrid. Like, it'll have 3D sections and 2D sections. And it doesn't get as egregious as some of the 3D ones get. It, it does have, you know, moments where, like, I f just feel like I'm falling off a cliff for no reason. But, um, it handles better than I expected. Um, the character creator is fun. Uh, I made the closest I can get to making Crystal from Star Fox as a blue cat character in there. It is my, you know, avatar, uh, is what they call the player-created one. Because depending on the level, you'll either be playing as Modern Sonic, Classic Sonic, or your avatar who has gadgets, which you can swap out different gadgets. They do different things. Um, but, yeah, no, you, you unlock costumes for your avatar. Um, you get, like, a set for beating a level, a different set for beating a level with an S rank, and then there's, like, other goals that you can do to get outfits. And there, there are a lot of outfits. I want... I, I think it was like 700 or 900 or something different costume pieces you can get. Um, which is, is a lot. There's a lot of options. Though most of the ones you get feel like, like 90s skater attire for some reason. There's just like that kind of, you know, like printed t-shirts or flame prints or, um, you know, like weird bangles and... You know, you, you can get, like, knee pads and elbow pads like a skateboarder. Like, you, it's weird, you know, you don't... Like, there, there There's no skateboard you can unlock, but you can dress like Tony Hawk in this. Um, and, yeah, just, like, a lot of, like, baseball caps and backwards baseball caps. And, um, and then also, you know, just a bunch of, like, tech kind of stuff. You can, you can get, like, Vegeta's Scouter as one of the... Uh, wearable costume pieces and the story of it is like the most fan fit like they're not even trying to not you know be the most fanficy sonic game it can ever be because like it starts off with sonic running through green hills which is being turned into a desert by eggman's latest weapon um and then after you know he runs through all that he finds, I, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, you get to, like, a city that's, you know, like, in flames, you know, kind of, like, devastated by Eggman's robots stomping around everywhere, and there's this new bad guy, whose name is Infinite, and he's got kind of, he's shaped like a hedgehog, but he's got a mask that kind of look. it's got, like, bat ears and, like, you know, one eye visible because it's like cracked, and the other eye isn't visible because it's covered up by the mask. And it's just like a very edgelord design. And he acts like Mewtwo, you know, he's like very pompous and 
you know, arrogant and more powerful than anyone, has all these psychic powers, he can conjure up, um, like, duplicates of the famous villains, you know, he makes, like, an army of shadows and chaos from Sonic Adventure and, um, some other guy who I don't recognize, um, yeah, he just, he, he makes all these villains and he's, like, super powerful and he seemingly kills Sonic. Uh, and then there's a time jump where all Sonic's friends are like the only resistance left as Eggman's robot army has swept the planet and Eggman has rebuilt his death egg, which is like the Death Star with Robotnik's face on it. And, um, he's planning to destroy the planet for some reason. I don't know how that is useful to him at all, but whatever, it's, it's a dumb fanficy game that's, you know, just being very over the top, is, you know, this whole, like, Star Wars-esque rebellion led by, um, the freedom fighters who are Sonic's friends, um, and then very quick, like, not long after, I think it's, like, literally, like, you have, like, a, a cutscene or some dialogue or something where they're talking about how, like, Sonic is gone and we need to, you know, find a way to stop Eggman. And then you get some dialogue, like, right after that scene with, like, oh, actually, Sonic's alive. We just found out he's imprisoned on the Death Egg and we have to go get to him. And you, new guy rookie, who, you, you can't assign a name to your character, so you're just always the new guy or the rookie or buddy. Um, and, yeah, they, they want you to go and um, rescue Sonic, but you, you have to go through a bunch of levels first, and then along the way, Tails wasn't there for like all the Resistance meetings, because he was so broken up over Sonic being quote-unquote dead, that he went off to be by himself, and ends up running into classic Sonic from Sonic Generations, who doesn't talk, um... But, yeah, he's just... He, he's classic Sonic. He's cute. He's fun. And he's there. He's back. And Tails is like, oh, you're here. Okay. And, you know, it's nice to have a Sonic around. Um, and then eventually he overhears Eggman and Infinite talking about how Sonic is still alive. And by that point, Sonic's already been rescued, I think. Tails was just very slow on the uptake of getting back together with the um, rest of the group. So, yeah, um, so, I mean, overall, yeah, the game is, it's fun, you know, I enjoyed it, uh, it, I was gonna say it feels short, it feels decent length, I guess, with replay value, because of the rewards you get for beating, um, either these, like, oddball challenges, or, you know, going back and beating the levels on, you know, trying to get the higher rank for them. Which isn't impossible. I mean, some of them are very easy. I, I'm not exact. I need to look up sometime, like, how it calculates your score. Cause I've beaten some of them, like, in a quick time with a hundred rings in hand. And that doesn't get me an S rank. And then other ones, I, you know, don't do it nearly as quickly as I could. And they're still like, ah, S rank. You know, I, I don't even have full hundred rings and it's still S rank. So, I don't know how that works. Um, but, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so Sonic Colors I heard was pretty glitchy, so I'm probably not going to get that one. Um, I also picked up uh, Lego Marvel 2 was on a sale on eShop for like 12 bucks, I think. And that's one, like, I've been having the urge to play it again for a while, now that my Xbox is unplugged, because I, I don't feel like plugging it back in. You know, but I wanted to get it on Switch. But I couldn't find a hard, you know, physical copy of it, like, any of the stores I went to. So, 12 bucks download, sure, I'll just download it. So I did. Um, I'm partway into it, I'm remembering why I didn't like it as much as the first one, because it's like... You know, it's like they had like all the most famous and classic characters of Marvel in the first game. You know, you've got the Avengers, you know, Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four. It's like, like the plot of the game. You know, you could definitely feel the you know what um, Avengers One had. You know, the like the plot of Avengers One definitely. You know, played a role in the story of the game, but the story is still its own thing. It ends with Galactus showing up. And, yeah, like, you know, the X-Men are involved, Fantastic Four is involved, Spider-Man and all his villains are involved. I mean, this was before Spider-Man was, you know, in the MCU. So, you know, it just, it has, like, all the best parts of Marvel are in that game. And then... Uh, Marvel 2 feels... Uh, Marvel Avengers is... It's just the movies. It's... Meh. I mean, and, and remember at the time when it came out, it's like it came out around when Avengers 2 came out. And they left out Guardians of the Galaxy, which was like the best new thing at that point. Um, because they're not on Earth, and they're not Avengers, so they wanted to focus on Avengers, so they did all the movies except for Guardians. Um... And that was just kind of lame, but, uh, Marvel 2, we do have Guardians, and you know that it came out around the time Guardians Volume 2 would come out, because they're all in their Guardians Volume 2 outfits, even though the plot is its own thing, it is a sequel to the first Marvel game, but kind of loosely, because it's also just, like, pulling in, like, the, the latest character designs from, you know, like, Loki and Thor look like they're Ragnarok versions, because those, like, I think the movie was about to come out, because I think the game came out end of 2017, like, before Ragnarok, so they had the designs, but they didn't really have the plot, um, because the DLC for it covers Black Panther and Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp, um, but yeah, I mean, so, we have some of the major characters in there, again. You know, like, the Avengers are there, the Spider-Man characters are there. Um, I think... I haven't seen any X-Men yet. So I think the X-Men are just entirely out of the sequel. Um, Fantastic Four are out. You know, it's, I guess when the first one came out, things must not have been as hostile at Marvel between the characters that they own the rights to and the ones that Fox still had at that point. Because, yeah, by the time the second one comes out, all the Fox characters aren't involved. Um, there is more of an emphasis on, like, the Netflix shows at the time. You know, the, like, there's a noir world that you go to, because, like, the, the conceit of this one is that Kang shows up, 
and starts ripping places out of time and combines them all into his, like, Chronopolis time kingdom. So, you've got New York in winter this time, I guess, to make it different from the last two times we've been to New York in the previous two games. But it's only a small segment of New York, because the rest of the open world is all these other places. We've got Kunlun from Iron Fist, you know, one of the um, Netflix shows at the time. Uh, we've got the Noir World, which invol includes Daredevil and uh, Luke Cage. Uh, no Jessica Jones, at least not yet. I don't remember if she shows up later, but I can see why. I mean, that show was uh, darker in a, a more serious way than the other um, Defenders shows. And then, yeah, there's, you know, like Wakanda is there because they, they knew Black Panther was going to be coming up soon. Um, there's a medieval world, which I don't know if they knew that Black Knight was going to be featured in Eternals. I mean, until Eternals comes out, we don't even know uh, what that's going to look like. Um, and speaking of Eternals, Eternals just doesn't look that interesting right now, but it's Marvel. So I'll see it, and hopefully like it somewhat, at least. Um, but we do have Inhumans in this Marvel 2 game, because that was an ABC show at the time that they were trying to make it into something that people would like, and it's hard. Like, some like Inhumans has some fun characters in it, but it's not a great Marvel property. Like Eternals. They're both not great. Um, uh, what other places are there in this? Uh, well, Xandar is there because the Guardians Volume 2 and a little bit of Volume 1, but mostly Volume 2, are there. Um, yeah, I'd forgotten Baby Groot was a thing, but that was very much a thing around the time Volume 2 came out. You couldn't go anywhere with it baby Groot toys everywhere, and yeah, you because it's Guardians Volume 2, you play as baby Groot, who has this little time device thing that can let him grow into normal Groot, because, you know, have your cake and eat it too, um, and then there's like Hala, the Kree planet, um, so I get maybe they knew Captain Marvel was coming, it, that's kind of the impressive thing with the game, is that for every like, very timely reference that hasn't aged well, like, you know, Guardians Volume 2 being the version of Guardians we see, or Marvel's Defenders, or, um, yeah, uh, yeah the, those things that were very much of the time. There's a lot of stuff they include that is now becoming involved in Marvel projects, and, oh, and Inhumans, the other one, but th there's other stuff, you know, like, Black Knight is coming up in Eternals, um, Hala was going to come up in Captain Marvel a couple years later. Um, shit, this other thing, I'm trying to remember now what the other things are. Um, hmm, yeah, I'm spacing out. Because, yeah, there's, like, there's a Hydra world that you go to, it's like an alternate, uh, like, darker version of... New York that's been conquered by Hydra, I think. Um, and 
is like ancient Egypt because the living mummy is a Marvel character that they, since they're doing, you know, across time and space, they got ancient Egypt world. Oh, Sakaar shows up in this one. And that, this was, I guess, came out around the time that Thor Ragnarok came out. But this version of Sakaar is more like the comics Sakaar, where it's like a Roman gladiatorial arena, uh, like the Colosseum instead of like the high-tech Colosseum that they had in that movie. Um, it doesn't have the tech. It's just, you know, like a uh, very kind of Conan the Barbarian sword and sorcery-looking place. Um, yeah. No, so like, I'm, I'm partway into the game. It, it feels like a lot of busy work. Like, the open world feels like busy work. The levels feel like busy work. Um, like, the humor feels just kind of dull um and since you know the, yeah, the characters are like a lot of the newer characters or characters that they didn't focus on before in in the first one you know i, I guess it's good because it, it lets them branch out and do things they didn't do but yeah they're, they're not as exciting um and yeah the plot oh yeah like kang kang was a I assume you know they didn't have any inside knowledge to know that Kang was going to be set up as probably the next big nemesis of Marvel after Thanos because they didn't even really do Thanos in this game or the first game for that matter um but no they have Kang as the main villain of this and he's you know after the Loki show being set up as a big threat for the future of Marvel um and then he's got this I don't remember if she was like a queen or a princess or something. It's like a woman who's by his side all the time who is like his unwilling companion um, or semi-willing, I don't know, who is, he, he just calls her Ravona. And at the time when the game came out, I, I had no idea who this was. She's a very bland character. Just this like, very demure uh, woman who's by his side all the time and commenting on how horrible it is that he's you know, enacting so much violence on everyone, uh, and then she sneaks off to go, you know, warn the, like, try to help the Avengers to stop Kang. Um, but she, you know, Ravona in Loki, uh, Ravona Renslayer, you know, Judge Renslayer, the kind of badass, uh, woman in charge of the TVA, um, yeah, that's her. Like, she looks, you know, the the MCU version of Ravona looks nothing like this, I assume, comics-based version of Ravona. And the MCU one is just so much more interesting as a character. Like, the, it's not this bland person from this, but it, it's, just, it's weird, you know, that this character was there, set up for a character that they would actually decide to do in the future. Uh, and I just, I, it took a while for that to click, that I'd, you know, seen uh, Ravona anywhere, you know, after, you know, when I saw it in Loki, I thought, oh, okay, I, I have no idea who this person is, because I didn't know I'd already seen a version of her, because they were so different, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot of busy work, but it's a Lego game, and that's, you know, you, you just play them in a way that, uh, you don't think too hard when you're playing them, you just, you know, you're there to punch stuff and break stuff. Um, 
Actually, that reminds me, I've been playing a new file on Luigi's Mansion 3, too, and that has the same kind of feel as playing a Lego game, except Luigi's Mansion 3, actually, you know, you can feel that, like, they had put some time and effort into making this a decent game, but it has that same feel of, like, the fun is just going room to room and wrecking everything and collecting all the money, and then sometimes you actually play the game the way you're supposed to, um, because, yeah, Luigi, I'm just, you know, going room to room and trying to vacuum up every bit of money I can find, every, like, loose scrap of item I find. And then, yeah, sometimes you have to stop and catch the ghosts, or solve the puzzles and proceed through the rooms. Um, yeah, aside from that, I also, I, I picked up Call of Cthulhu, the game I, I had played, I think I've talked about, came out, what, 2018? So I guess, like, three years ago on the podcast, I probably talked about it and all the endings to it. Um, because it was on Xbox, it got ported to Switch, and I, I wanted to play it again. So I found a cheap used copy on eBay, and I started playing that, but since I've got multiple games going, I haven't uh, gotten around to finishing that. Um, well. And I think if there's anything else before I call this a day, it is definitely going to be over an hour now. Um, even without, uh, whatever edits I have to make to the technical glitches that happened early on. Um, let's see, was any, any of these others worth talking about? Yeah, well, I guess, um, next time, well, if the, okay, so this episode, I'm recording it on September 9th right now. It's not actually, because we, we're doing this bi-weekly, um, not actually going to release until, um, let's see, 10, 12, you know, two, two Sundays from now, whatever it is, uh, more than a week. I'm just recording it now because I got the time, so why not? Um, but, uh... Yeah, no, if, if the situation changes and Brent is able to record, then this is probably just gonna go down the tubes and you won't be hearing it. So I guess if you're hearing it, then you know that the situation is what it is. That I'm just recording this for the sake of you guys having an episode. Uh, you guys, yeah, all, all however many of you. Um, I mean, sure, look, I, I, I'm honestly impressed and grateful that anybody even listens to this. It it really is just, you know, usually just Brent and I talking about whatever recent things have happened. It is, it's not a podcast that has ever tried to be profitable, and, you know, it, it's just done for fun. Just basically a vlog. Um... And, yeah, no, if, if that's the thing you enjoy listening to, then please, you know, I, you know, I don't get paid by advertisers if you listen to more, so listen to however much you want. Um, and, yeah, I, I should probably just wrap up at this point, because I, I am just rambling about just anything now. Um, 
So, yeah, uh, until next time, uh, stay funky. That's the worst way to end a podcast. <laughs>